Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your design business? Then welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social, helping home professionals accelerate their success with proven industry practices and expert advice. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Jethro Powell, and I'm super excited for today's show. Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, is joining us to answer all of my hot, yearning, and burning questions about Profit First, and he has a brand new book coming out, which he's going to tell us about at the end of the show and how to go about getting that, what that's going to be about. So make sure you stay tuned all the way to the end. And for the fire round, it's some pretty funny answers for the fire round. So but first, before we get into my conversation with Mike Michalowicz, we have housekeeping. Wingnut webinars rolling every month free for you. Information for your interior designer architect brain on marketing your business, running your business. Go over to wingnutsocial.com, Wingnut Academy in the drop down to find out the latest and greatest dates and times and subject for August 2022. Or as I'm recording this, it might be for even for September. Same time, same bat channel to get that information for sure. And uh, Wingnut Academy, sign up for notifications for when that first course rolls out. Instagram for interior designers, it's going to be amazing. And it should be because I've invested a lot of time and money in it. <laughs> so anyway, that's going to be great. Make sure you stay tuned for that. And that is it for housekeeping. Now, I'm pretty sure you know what time it is. Time for Men and News, Men and News Sash. Yeah! yeah. Okay, it's just me on this week's mini news, and it's going to be short and sweet. And today we're talking about LinkedIn. It's been a hot minute since we've covered that topic, but LinkedIn is testing out link stickers. You might be familiar with the concept. If you're on Instagram, when you post your stories, you'll see a little st- sticker you can put on there that has a workable, actionable link. Well, now LinkedIn, no pun intended, I don't even know if that's appropriate or accurate, is experimenting with the same. They're rolling this out. So when you're posting a video or something where you want your follower on LinkedIn to go to an external website, they can just do it straight from the post, straight from the picture. So that, is it going to be helpful? Maybe. So you don't have to go down to the the captions. It's a little bit of a quicker interaction, less of a barrier to entry to get them to go to what it is that you want them to. Because right now you post the link, they have to go down, maybe below the three dots if you're doing it that way, read a caption. If you have a post on LinkedIn that is super catchy, and here it is, here's my design firm, here's the link, find out more. That could be really helpful, really nice. And if you're not on LinkedIn as an interior designer, you're missing out on a lot of professionals who are potentially your clients moving forward. And especially if you're a commercial interior designer, give LinkedIn some love. It's definitely growing and gaining traction. And I'm finding I'm enjoying it a lot more than I used to. I will be trying out the link sticker. It is a slow rollout. It's not available to everybody just yet, but I think it's worth giving it a try. So link stickers for more information on that, you can go to the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast on this episode with Mike Michalowicz. And that's it for Mini News. Mini News Sash. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now let's get into my conversation with Mike Michalowicz. But first, let me tell you about him. Mike Michalowicz is the author of The Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork, Fix This Next, Get Different, and of course, Profit First. With over a million readers, he remains on Amazon's bestseller list after eight years. 
Clockwork Revised and Expanded, Design Your Business to Run Itself is Mike's latest release coming uh, when this episode airs. It should have released yesterday as this is going to air in August of 2022, August 24th to be exact. So run, don't walk, go get it. All right, wingnuts, help me in welcoming Mike Michalowicz to the show. Hey there, Mike Michalowicz. Welcome to the show. How the hell are you? I'm doing well. And hey there, Darla. It's good to be with you. I'm so thrilled. I have been talking up my audience for this guest appearance for quite a while because your book, especially Profit First, has been so impactful for my listeners and my audience. We've done a couple of shows with real life, flesh and blood, breathing interior designers who have used Profit First, and it has made all the difference in their business. Right? It's been such a game changer. In fact, I just, uh, right before this episode aired, I interviewed uh, Lisa Gilmore and she said, please tell him personally, thank you for me. <laughs> so. Oh, well, if Lisa's listening in, thank you for doing it. You know, to me, it's uh, it's kind of like a cookbook. You know, it's a recipe, but you still need to cook it up. And, and that's actually often the harder part. So kudos to Lisa for executing it. <laughs> yeah, so many. And my interior design business coach, um, well, for the agency for Scarlet Thread Consulting, Michelle Williams, she is, I think she's a she's great. first. I know her, yeah. Do you know? Okay, yeah, she is great. She's been very helpful. And Dala Alfuaris did a whole episode. But let's dig in. So let's talk about your first book, right? Or The Piggy Bank. Let's tell me about the inspiration on that, like the one featured on the cover. How did that change your perspective? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yeah, right. I made the cover of the first release of Profit First. It's not on the Revising Expand edition, but the story remained. That became a defining moment for what I think is my life. I, I've defined as my life's purpose. And it also inspired me to write Profit First and discover the method. The quick story is this. I had been and have been an entrepreneur my entire adult life ever since college. I built and sold two companies. I made a lot of money in selling those businesses. They, those businesses, it's important to note, were never profitable when I was running them. I happened to sell them, and that's why I made my money. So I'm like, oh, you make money by pumping and dumping. Build something and sell it off and do it fast. Uh, I was actually in dire straits with those businesses, Prior to selling them, I was lucky to sell them. My third venture uh, didn't go so well. As an angel investor, started all these businesses. None of them that them were sellable. All of them were incurred expenses that I had to pay for. I evaporated all my wealth. I accumulated. And I remember my accountant calling me and he said, "Mike, I can't believe it. You've been so quote unquote successful in the early phases of your career." He goes, "I suggest you declare personal bankruptcy immediately. You are in really dire straits." I said, is there any other option? He said, well, you can liquidate your remaining assets, which was we had a house we were in and we had a couple cars. So uh, that's what I did. I came home to my family. It was February 14th, Valentine's Day, and said to my wife and my three children that we we're going to lose our house. We lost it 30 days later, the cars. We had to start new. And I was sobbing. I was so ashamed. And I hadn't told them what was going on. I had left out the truth. I, I was lying through a mission. My wife said, how are things going? I'm like, oh, good. We're, we're around, you know, it's around the corner. We're going to crush it. We, that one big client's going to appear. And of course it wouldn't. And I was lying to myself. My daughter, she was nine years old at the time. She was sitting at the table. They had, we were going to have dinner together, but I actually arrived home so late because I didn't know how to approach my family. So the food was cold. And I told my daughter she couldn't go horseback riding. It was a $20 session uh, once every couple of weeks. It's a group thing. And I said, I can't, can't wait. We're done. And she stood up. She was crying. I was crying. She ran out of the room, and I thought she was running away from me. What she actually did she ran to her bedroom to grab her piggy bank, and she ran back. I'll never forget this moment. And she puts it on the table and says, Daddy, since you can't provide for our family, I'll start doing it. And I was like, 
I'm getting emotional oh. now. I was, <laughs> I'm so ashamed of that moment and um, so proud of her. It also planted the seed. And it, it wasn't like the next morning, I was like, oh, I'm going to fix this. I, the next morning, I started drinking hard. But it, I went through, and I went through two years of depression, but it did plant the seed that I need to find the solution to financial struggles for entrepreneurs, time struggles. What I've collectively now defined as entrepreneurial poverty. It set me on the path. And for the last 15 years, that's what, I, what I've been doing. I love that. I mean, it's a sad, that's a heartbreaking story, but it, everything happens for a reason, right? I yes. mean, the fact that she did that was a catalyst for you, a wake-up call, really. So everything does happen for a reason, and that's a really touching story. And look where you are now, right? So good for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was huge. It was, it was funny, just to put a little bow tie on this. I talked with her just, just a few months ago and said, hey, remember that moment? And she's like, what are you talking about? It's interesting, something that's so life-defining for one person, for her, was this protocol. She's like, yeah, of course you support the family. I'm nine. That's what I'm going to do. It vanished from her memory, but it's so visceral in mine. Sure. Yeah, well, because your perspective as an adult, you know, with your child, sure, of course. So you lost not just a little bit of money. You lost several million dollars, right? <laughs> Over, and so, <laughs> so that had to have been gut-wrenching. So tell me why it is that businesses and entrepreneurs struggle to get to the point to where they're, I mean, maybe they're paying their employees, maybe they're functioning, they have operating expenses, but getting to the profit point. Why is that such a, a, a struggle? So there is a behavioral wiring called Parkinson's Law. Parkinson was a theorist from the 1950s. Nothing to do with Parkinson's disease. It's a different person. But he was studying something interesting about our behavior. And what his core thesis was is that as a supply increases in its availability, our consumption increases. I'm addicted to chocolate chip cookies. If you put one in front of me, I may hem and haw and like, oh, I shouldn't, and then I'll eat it. If you put 20 in front of me, I'm going to eat more than one. And it's because the supplies change. The same is true for money. So when there's more money available, the more we spend. And so it feels almost uncanny. As our business grows, we, we make that big sale, we get that new client on board, we're like, finally. And then all these expenses pour in. That's natural human behavior. And it becomes a trap. So most businesses, and I know businesses that have gone into the, not just millions, like the tens of millions that still are just struggling to get by because they're spending every dime they make. And how the behavior is, you log in your bank account, you see some cash deposited, you're like, oh, finally, I can do X, Y, Z. So Parkinson also pointed out something interesting on the flip side is as supply increases, we consume more. But if we constrain supply, we are forced, forced frugality. You know, if there's less money available, you can't spend it. So you can force frugality. But there's an interesting side aspect. We become more innovative. So the less of a resource we have, we find ways to stretch it. You put one cookie in front of me, I don't race it down. I take little bites, crack off the corner, I savor. But when you put dozens in front of me, that's when I start kind of pounding them down. With money, when we have less cash flow intentionally coming into the business available to spend, we start becoming more selective, more prudent on how we spend it. That's true. I do the same thing. As Wingnut keeps making <laughs> more and more money, I find more and more ways to spend it. So I'm, I'm yeah, guilty. Well, you're human, right? So there you go. You are a human. You just proved it. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so let's let's dig in. I want to get into a couple of things like the Frankenstein formula and the gap, but for the uninitiated, just walk us through the real, just the basics of profit first. Of course, get out there and get the book. I'm telling you, I've spoken to a countless interior designers, architects, where it's made such a difference in their business. But before we go into the gap, just a brief overview of the profit first. I know I know it's hard to do briefly, and then we'll get into. I'll do a super brief. It's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. 
this has been something that's been written about and, and documented since BC, is that if you take a portion of income and use it for tithing, for example, or to save for your future, you will have a future of savings. Therefore, since that works so well in our personal life, my epiphany was apply it to business. And so as money comes in, the first thing you do is allocate money toward profit. And what I say in the book is that most of us think profit is an event, an eventuality. One day, if I work hard enough and long enough, there'll be profit. And that's not the truth. Profit is a habit. Every time money comes in, we're going to take a portion of that money, allocate toward profit. As profit is a habit, it becomes baked into our business and profit will just accumulate and pay yourself first. And that's a very good principle. And I think that's what it is. And it's also like if you build it, kind of they will come. If you force your finances to the point where you have to pay yourself or you have to do a profit, everything else seems to kind of trickle down and balance out like where you're getting uh, for the Parkinson's law, <laughs> right? You're reducing that those cookies in front of you and you're putting a few away for savings. And I, I love that. I think from a, a, a that's mindset right. standpoint, that's also been what's super helpful. And that's the feedback I'm getting is they can visualize, they can actually break it down and see it with the system. Yeah. What you do in the system is you pre-allocate money to its intended use. So profits one, there's others. But now when you log into your bank account, you know what you're going to spend this money on before you spend it. And to your point, this is a mindset shift. So it, it can sound like a shell game. It's like, well, you know, money's money and you're just carving it up and moving it around, but it's still the same amount of money. Yes, logically it is, but we are behavioral beings. When we see what money's intended use is before we spend it, we work within the confines of that. True. And I use it myself as well. I mean, I might not have as many accounts as in Profit First. It's kind of a hybrid, but I have, but I have operations, payroll, taxes. And that's okay. Myself, and it, it works yeah. really well, especially with me who has an issue with spending. <laughs> yeah, this isn't like an all-in to make it work. This is something that as long as you get started, it will start to serve you. So you don't have to do it perfectly by the book. You just got to get started and then you'll find a system that supports your natural being. So here's a big question before we get into the gap. And this is the one we most frequently get from listeners or even designers who have, have had to uh, finagle it is what happens if you're at the point to where your business has, uh, you're carrying a lot of debt and you have to pay that back. And how do, what does that look like as far as setting aside a percentage to pay yourself or for profit? So unfortunately, you're one of those common businesses out there. Most businesses that implement profit first come in from a debt standpoint. You still follow the system to a T. You still allocate profit. But the pushback I get is like, I can't be profitable until I pay off my debt. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to get into the pattern of allocating money toward profit. But when it comes to profit distribution time, we're going to use the vast majority of that to reduce our debt and ultimately eradicate our debt. But we have to have this behavior of also giving a portion of that to ourselves for the reward mechanism. Profit first, again, is a behavioral system. And if we constantly punish ourselves, it is human nature to avoid that. We seek rewards. So- if you're taking profit and then never getting access to that, it actually becomes a uh, kind of a, a, you become a little downtrodden in the process and not committed to it. So we're going to use a majority to pay off debt, but a portion to celebrate. Then when all the debt's eradicated, and it may take some time, but when all that debt's eradicated, you've built the profit habit and the next profit distribution that accumulates, well, now all of that goes to you. Nice. Is there a minimum you recommend, like 1%, half a percent, 2%? There is a minimum, 1%. Okay. That. So, and actually, I suggest people start there. So in the book, I what I did is I studied a 1,000 different businesses, uh, all industry agnostic. There was interior designers there too, and saw different revenue levels, what the optimal businesses could achieve in percentages of profit. Maybe 10 or 15 or 20% top line can go to profit. But it's like, if you've ever exercised or haven't exercised in the last five years, and you say, you know what, today I'm going to run a marathon, 
don't do that. You will injure yourself at best. You'll have a heart attack at worst. Let's avoid that. Let's just learn some stretching right now for day one. We have to do the same with profit first. Don't go to the all-out percentages. Starting today, just start with 1% to profit. Let's get into the habit. That's the stretch. Maybe a month or two from now, we go to 2% and 3 And then you can start seeing the potential it has. It moves to the optimal numbers maybe a year or two from now. What is an optimal number? Is that 10%, 15%, 20%? What is a healthy? Well, it depends on your business's size, and, and there's other variables too. But in the book, I specify uh, ranges of businesses from 250 or less, 500 to 250, and so forth. Generally, the rule of thumb is if a business does under 250 in revenue, particularly in the service space, it's probably a single human operation, so one-person operation. As it gets bigger, you start having more burden in regards to payroll. But the role of the owner transitions from doing work to more designing the structure of the business and less doing when properly structured. So interestingly, in a smaller business, usually we take higher percentages of owner's compensation, higher salary. A 250 business, maybe 50% of that money is used to pay you. Maybe profit runs around 10%, or maybe even 5% a little lower. Now, as we start growing, the owner takes usually a lower percentage of the revenue yeah. as income. So instead of taking 50%, maybe now you start taking 30%, but the aggregate, the dollar amount actually may increase. So instead of taking in that one scenario, 125 on a 250 business, if I'm running <laughs> the math correctly, you may be taking 150, 160 as the business grows, but it's a lower percentage. But then the profit percentage typically grows. As you participate less as an operator, owner operator, you behave more as a shareholder. So businesses that get to like 10 million, in those cases, often there is no owner's compensation. It's all about shareholder distributions and profit may be running at 20, sometimes 30%. Okay. Okay. The last thing I want to share. So sure. that's this, that's general guiding principles. The right numbers have to find you. So I invite anyone that's in a space to work with Michelle Williams, work with a prof first professional who knows your space, interior designers, and can help you optimize the numbers for your business. Love it. Okay. That's a terrific answer. Thank you so much. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the gap, the Frankenstein formula. Yeah. What the hell is that? Yeah. So gap is stands for generally accepted accounting principles, okay. G-A-A-P. The Frankenstein formula is the foundational formula for gap. It says that our sales minus our expenses equals profit. I call that crap. I, I say gap is crap. And I mean to be confrontational because I think we have to realize that's a very logical formula. It makes logical sense. Money comes in, money goes out, what's left over, you keep. But it doesn't make behavioral sense. It's human nature. What comes first gets done and what comes last is delayed or ignored. Like if you love your family, you probably say, I put my family first. You don't say, I put my family last because I love them so much. And the same thing is with our money. When we take profit last, the behavior is, oh, well, at the end of the year, there was no profit. Next year, I'll have it. And we literally kick the can down year after year, waiting for profit to happen. In profit first, we flip the formula. It's sales minus profit equals expenses. We do in practice, as we shared already, money comes in, we take a percentage of profit first, and then our business knows, we know what's truly left available for expenses. I love it. Perfect. So Wingnut Social is a digital marketing agency for interior designers and architects and to the trade home furnishings. And we do a pretty damn good job on behalf of our clients, if I do say so myself. But you know what? Don't just take my word for it. Listen to Julianne Hendrickson of Hendrickson Interiors out of Tampa, Florida. Hi, I'm Julianne Hendrickson with Hendrickson Interiors. I've been a Wingnut Social client for almost two years now. I'm so thankful for Wingnut. When I first started using Instagram myself for my personal business, 
I didn't know who my core audience was, and I didn't know how to use all the special features on Instagram. Wingnut Social is an expert in doing both things. They have taken my social media and they have made it something that I could not have done myself. I am so thankful and have no intention of not using them for a very, very long time. Thank you so much, Julianne. We love having you as a Wingnut Social client, and we're so happy to see all of the success that you've achieved over the past two years with us. So if you guys want to achieve some similar success with your digital marketing for your interior design firm, your architecture firm, or your to-the-trade home furnishing situation, give us a call at 786-206-4331 or check out the website, wingnutsocial.com. That's wingnutsocial.com. Just hit that let's chat and let's see how we can help you. So let's talk about this from a practical standpoint. We're, we're looking at where we just went into the, uh, the third quarter, right? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. July 1st. What is it as business owners that we should actually be looking at every quarter when it comes to profit first or our finances? I have a few theories around quarterly adjustments. I first think we should use a technique called tacking. I don't actually talk about that in profit first. Okay. I explore that in another book I wrote. But tacking is, the idea is, where do we want to intend it for the big vision? What's that five or 10 year vision? And what can we do in the next 90 days to best get there? Tacking is a strategy that's used by sailors. You put an X on the map of where you want to go with your boat, but you don't go in a straight line because you have to capture the wind that's blowing. You avoid obstacles and so forth. So a sailboat will actually zigzag its way as it changes its sails to capture wind to its destination, but it gets there. Our businesses are the same. We don't beeline straight to our end goal. There's obstacles that present itself, the winds of the economy. You know, we may be going into recession. I'm convinced we are. And so what we need to do is start this tacking, this zigzag process. So you work in 90-day increments. So starting July 1st or today, whenever you're listening in, just worry till the end of the quarter, which is the end of September, September 30th. What are the biggest movements I can make in my business to get toward the end goal, even if it's not direct? Are there new obstacles, new competition, uh, new offerings I can make? What do you do? With profitability, what we do is we get into a quarterly rhythm of distributions. And this is important. I, I learned this from large corporations. I'm not necessarily a fan of the Fords of the world. Like I don't aspire to have the next Ford or Amazon. I do admire what they've achieved because they started in a garage, just like we all did. And they grew to that size. And the only way you can get to that size is with absolute fiscal discipline. You got to pay salaries for hundreds of thousands of people, for example, as employees. How do you get there? You know, the number one rule with public companies is to distribute profit to the shareholders on a quarterly basis. If you own public stock, you chances are you get a quarterly distribution. They do that to maintain shareholder engagement and to reward the risk takers, the shareholders. We need to do the same pattern. Okay. Every quarter, the profit that's accumulated, we distribute to the shareholder, which if you're the owner, it could be just you or even partners used to distribute it equally or however your equity is distributed. And what it does is it re-engages you. It's like, wow, here's a bonus for me. This is above and beyond, by the way, a normalized salary, the salary you deserve. Now it's like, oh, this is a bonus. The mistake most owners do is whenever there's money available for them, they just take it. But now their lifestyle adjusts. They're, they're basically peeling away profit whenever they can, and their lifestyle adjusts off of that, and they maximize their lifestyle to their income. And now they're not just precarious in their business living check by check. They're living check by check at home. By doing this quarterly distribution, it keeps you engaged emotionally because you're looking forward. It's only 90 days away, worst case, the next profit distribution. But when it comes, you can't 
have adjusted your lifestyle to it because mostly at our home bills come monthly or whatever. So it's a bonus above and beyond. And then you can use it to celebrate in any way you want. Some people celebrate by savings for their future. Some go on an amazing trip. Some people do a blend. Some people have personal debt. They first eradicate that and then go into a savings plan. But uh, you can use it any way you want. I could buy more action figures for my background here. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you the one thing not to do, though, is never plow back into your business. Okay. And so many people say, oh, I want to grow. I want to be more profitable. I'm going to reinvest my profit. The second you, quote unquote, reinvest your profit, you're now deeming it an expense. Uh-huh. You're not profitable. You're running expenses. The lesson is, if you want to achieve that 10 or 15% profit, you must find ways to optimize your business off what's available for OPEX and grow fast. Now, here's the thing. People say, but the only way to grow, everyone knows it takes money to make yeah. money. Bullshit. Bullshit. Just because a million people have said that line doesn't mean it's right. It is a lie. We have over 600,000 companies who've implemented profit first. The people that do this consistently outpace their contemporaries in growth. One of my favorite stories right now is Savannah Bananas, a profit-first implementer. They are a baseball team that is more profitable on a percentage basis than any other baseball team in the world, including the major leagues. And they're growing faster than all of their contemporaries, and they take their profit first. We can do the same. Nice. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. So like, for example, for my agency, Wingnut Social, we are growing. But for me to grow, it is a service-based business. I have to hire. I have to hire more employees, and I have to hire employees ahead of the service (laughs) because they have to be trained, right? They have to be trained to do the service. So how how does service-based industries, as a solopreneur, you can only do so much. How do they grow into that without increasing, you know, taking more money to make money? Yeah, I'll give you, first, a profit-first trick, and then I'll give you also strategies to optimize employees. Here's the profit-first, you know, quote-unquote trick. We have a rule. If in doubt, set up an account. Set up an account called new employee. Whatever the foreseen salary is for this employee, start paying that salary before you start the hiring process. Usually, we do this months in advance. The reason we do this is we want to see if we can maintain cash flow. Does it it harm our business? One of the biggest impedances, people say, is "I I can't hire someone. I can't afford to do it. Well, let's prove you can or can't. So start paying by transferring that money into that salary and see the impact on your business. Now, when we hire a person three, maybe six months later, you have up to six months of reserve salary for them. So when you onboard them, it isn't a panic like, you got to bring in revenue immediately. We have the optimal time to train and bring them up to speed. So you've proven cash flow, plus you have a cushion. So that's a powerful technique. The other thing I want you to realize is uh, the power of productivity from employees. There's a study that came out of England identified that the average knowledge worker, that's the space you're in, 3.2 hours of productive time per day, regardless of the hours worked. So if someone works eight hours or 10 or five, they're producing 3.2. We've deployed that strategy in our own company. I have two locations. We have 25 employees between the two locations. And what we found is our part-timers are producing eight hours of work, just like our full-timers. Now, there's some situations where it's necessary and appropriate to have full-timers, and we do, but the majority of our staff is actually part-timers working uh, maybe about 60% of our staff is, is part-time nice. and they're producing at the highest levels. And there is a massive community of highly knowledgeable, highly capable people who aren't looking for full-time jobs, particularly in this new environment we're in. So consider that. I love that. That's a great tip. That might be my next hire actually part-timer because uh, they've all been full-time and I love them all. Oh my God, I, love I hope it. they're yeah. listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. And you know, it's funny. We have one employee, Amy here. She's on vacation right now. She works uh, four hours a day. She works uh, four days a week and she comes into the physical office. She lives in town. And she said, I wanted a job that was nearby, uh, but I want to be available for my family. 
She goes, I didn't care about the compensation, the salary. Um, we're taken care of at home. She goes, what I'm concerned about is just having an environment to have an outlet for myself. There's a massive workforce out there that isn't looking for the dollars. They're looking for the environment or the culture and all those elements. That is a big selling point that we often overlook. Yeah, that, that's one of the biggest things for us here is we all work remotely. We have a pretty fun culture, you know, the, the everything. So yeah. I think that would be really attractive for a part-timer. So we mentioned Michelle Williams, right, for Scarlet Thread Consulting. Highly recommend, guys, by the way. And she is a certified profit first coach. Tell me how how, you, how that's helpful to have a coach or someone who's in it to win it like that and versus, yeah, versus totally. just doing it by yourself. Yeah, and you can do it by yourself. I. Every ounce of my knowledge I put into the book, sure. it's in there, the entire recipe. The thing is, it's like a gym. There's books out there that tell you every exercise to do at the gym. The question is, do you do them right? Do you not injure yourself? And do you have the stick to itness to stay with it? The benefit I feel of a prop first professional, first of all, is these people deploy the system for other people in your industry, and they know the nuanced components. So they'll help you avoid injury. That's the biggest thing I see people do. They, they do it, but they don't do it right. So PFP will make sure you do it right. Secondly, it's an accountability mechanism. They will come to you and say, you got to do the allocations. We have to cut costs or increase margins. Usually margins is the biggest opportunity, and they'll give you strategy around that. So there's that accountability component. And thirdly, they're future looking. They're not emotionally attached to their business like a business owner is. You know, I, I feel so attached to my business. I trust my gut a lot. They're looking at it logically, and they're looking down the road. So they can proactively enhance and tweak things to move my profitability up, reduce my tax consequences, you know, amplify the, the utilization of OPEXs to the OPEX to get the best employees on board, producing at the highest levels, make sure I'm getting paid the right salary. They can do all of those more technical components from the logical standpoint where someone like me who's emotionally attached to my business because I'm in my business won't see. Yeah. I love that for a lot of things for your business to have a coach for your business that's um, you know, doesn't have that emotional attachment. It's kind of similar like when you go to a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're gonna totally right? Right? they don't have that emotional attachment and so they can see things objectively and, and yeah, I'm like, you why get more stuff I'm angry when my wife snaps back at me. Why aren't they getting angry? You're like, hey, why am I eating all twenty cookies? <laughs> I know. Why can't I stop and I'm sitting in the meeting with like chalk off my face? <laughs> all right. So that is amazing. So we're going to go into the fire round right now, the what up wing that round. And after that, I understand that you have a new book coming out, which I'm super excited for. So we're going to talk about that, right? Okay. So now I have to ask you, Mike Michalowicz, are you ready for the what up wing that round? I'm ready. Seatbelt is on. <laughs> Click. Let's do this. You need one of those race car ones that fully get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the double. <laughs> now it's time for what up wing night. Wing night. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Dead. Hashtag dead. <laughs> All right. I love it. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your favorite food forever. What would it be? Blueberries. I'm addicted to blueberries. Right now we're in blueberry season. New Jersey is the blueberry capital of the United oh, States. I did not know. know that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Biggest producer of blueberries is New Jersey. So, uh, oh my God, I cannot, I could eat a pint a day. Easy. Oh, that's very healthy. So many antioxidants, vitamins. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, anything in excess though becomes a problem. I eat that much. I love it that You're going to turn into Violet from Willy Wonka. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Last but not least, please recommend a book that has impacted you either personally or professionally. I love so many books. I read constantly. I just finished reading a book called Next Year Younger. I'm in my 50s, and it's a book about how to maintain or even improve your health over the next 30 to 40 years until you're 80 or even 90 years old. Nice. I'm going to pick that up. I'm actually 54, so that's right up my alley. Yeah, it's a great book. I'll give you one little caveat. It's a little bit bro-y, but the 
concept are really good. It definitely applies to men and women. It's just a little bit broy how it's. That's okay. I can tolerate bro. I was a cop. Yeah, just be prepared. I, just be mentally prepared. I was a cop for 18 years, so I'm all about it. <laughs> I can take. Oh my God. You totally, you totally get it. I can take yeah. it. Great. It's a great book. The concepts are amazing. Most importantly, please tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about you and tell us a little bit about your new book. I'm super excited. Sure. So uh, the new book is it's called Clockwork Revising Expanded. This is a galley copy I have here. So I took my book, Clockwork, which the essence is design your business to run itself. We can create a business that doesn't need us, which actually gives us the freedom to reinsert ourselves in the business in the most joyful way. What do you like to do in your business? And it's a business that's highly saleable and it's a business that makes money on automatic. So I've been studying this for 10 years now. This is the re-release of the book. It's 60% brand new content. 40% of the original content has been moved around. It's a simpler, better, faster implementation of it. And I'm blessed. Gino Wickman, the author of Traction, wrote the foreword for this Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So if you want to check out Clockwork Revising Expanded or any of my other work, the best website to go to is not MikeMikalowitz.com because no one can spell Mikalowitz. The better way is to go to MikeMotorbike.com. That's a shortcut to my site. All my books are there, free chapter downloads. I have a podcast myself. It's right for the Wall Street Journal. You can get those articles all at MikeMotorbike.com. Com. Nickname from grade school. It's the only G-rated <laughs> one I have, so that's the only one I can use. Same. Wingnut's my nickname, too. It's G- the only G- Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I have some. I just cannot repeat. They're so filthy. Yeah, same. For reasons. <laughs> Mike McAllowitz, thank you so much for joining us. It's It's been a pleasure. Darling, it's been a joy. Thank you for having me. All right, so I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit of a fangirl moment there because I am a huge fan of Mike Michalowicz and his work. And he's been so impactful for a lot of you out there in the audience and for myself included. And Mike, I'm really looking forward to reading your next book, Clockwork Revised and Expanded, which should be out now. Thank you so much. Hope you got a lot of takeaways from this. And um, to get the nitty gritty on it, run out and get his books, Profit First, I would start with for sure. And then this latest Clockwork Revised and Expanded. All right. So be sure to check out wingnutsocial.com if you need any help with digital marketing for your interior design firm, your architecture firm, or if you're a two-the-trade manufacturer, and that is what we specialize in, and we do a damn good job. Check out our reviews, check out our testimonials on the website, our case studies. We would love to see how we can help. 786-206-4331 is our phone number. Uh, Wingnuts are standing by with bated breath. Or you can uh, hit that little let's chat at wingnutsocial.com and we'll, we'll check out and see what you got going on and how we can help. So that's it for this week. Be sure to tune in next week. And remember, until then, remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Designed by Wingnut Social. But that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 786-206-4331 to see how we can help take your business from meh to amazing. We'll see you on the next episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, your digital marketing tightly fastened. Mm-hmm.